0: I've entitled this in his image, why racism is a sin. And I, I have brought the middle school and high school into the auditorium today. And I, I want to say to our students, thank you, Gen X and Gen Z and uh, millennials, you guys get it. In fact, you guys are the voice that are, are demanding, Uh, social justice in our world today, and I want to commend you for that, and I I thank you for joining us in today, and I want to have a conversation from Scripture on the subject of racism. Now, this is a a subject when you speak on it, some people are going to say you say too much, and somebody's going to say you don't say enough, and my purpose is not to say everything, my purpose is to give us a biblical bible perspective on this very poignant subject. My opinion doesn't matter but God's does matter. And it seems fitting in this day and this hour our world, our country, our cities are torn by the ugly the ugly evil of racism. Every continent on the globe, its soil has been stained with the blood from racism. As I approach this subject, I approach with sensitivity, recognizing the backdrop of hurt, of injustice, of reckless rhetoric, and sometimes unintentional thoughtlessness. But I I sense it's necessary to give us a Bible perspective on this. My, my words today are gonna to be more of a teaching as we look at God's Word and we'll be looking at several passages. I must say I, I was raised in a home where there was no racism. I'm fortunate. My mother and dad would not allow any racial slurs, would not allow anything. That was not ever mentioned or, or spoken in our home. In fact, it, it was the law was laid down. If you if you ever did, you ever said anything, you'd get backhanded. That was just not allowed in our home, and I appreciate that so much. But I've discovered that one can be asymptomatic. With prejudice. I'll repeat that. One can be asymptomatic with prejudice. I hear people say, you know, I'm not prejudiced, so I don't know what the big thing about it is, and while everybody's making a big deal about it. And that speaks with insensitivity. And sometimes silence is insensitivity. And, and we need we need to be aware that just because we are not individually, you say, I'm not prejudiced, I'm not a racist, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in our culture. Now, I'm not speaking today politically, and I'm not giving my personal views. Again, I want to share with you what the Bible says. And I begin by saying, (coughs) excuse me, that all lives matter. Black lives matter, but you know what? So do Latino lives, they matter. So do Asian lives, they matter. So do the unborn lives matter. The lives of special needs people matter. Biracial lives matter. Jewish lives matter. Arab lives matter. White lives matter. In God's book, all lives matter matter. Racism espouses a particular theory, a belief. Racism espouses that certain races have inherent superiority over other races. That is sociological Darwinism. It's survival of the fittest. It's saying that a particular race supersedes or has more priority or, or more value than someone else. That's Darwinism, and Darwinism has been taught so much, and evolution has been taught so much in our society. No wonder our world is torn by racism because Darwinism and evolution espouses survival of the fittest. Racism is sociologically based in a psychological and a philosophical premise that the Bible calls sin. I'll repeat that. Racism is a sociological happening, matter, reality that is based in a psychological or a philosophical premise that springs from a spiritual problem the Bible calls sin. Sin. The Bible calls racism sin. We're going to begin our examination of Scripture in Acts chapter 10. And you're going to just have to trust me and rely upon me for me to give you some of the background because we have a lot of Scripture to look at today. So just allow me to condense and say succinctly what Scripture is preaching, saying, and telling us. In Acts chapter 10, the chapter addresses so candidly racism. The racism of Acts chapter 10 was between the Gentiles and the Jews. And there is no racism today that would supersede the racism of that day. The tension, the animosity, the disfavor, the rhetoric, the demagoguery, between the Jews and the Gentiles. In this particular moment, in this particular day, Jewish people would not associate with Gentiles. And Gentiles loathe the Jewish people. There was friction. There was hostility. In this particular day, a Jewish person would not even enter the home of a Gentile, because entering the home was a, was a sign of acceptance and a sign of friendship, and they would not even enter the home. Moreover, if you were traveling, you would not go through Gentile territory. You would travel miles around to stay out of, I'll, I'll use the phrase, that side of town. They would not even travel in the area of the Gentiles. There was animosity and this animosity was strictly racial in nature. So Acts chapter 10 opens up with a Gentile. His name is Cornelius. He becomes a believer and God says to him, go down to Joppa, send three people and tell Simon Peter to come. Now that was a <laughs> challenge. Again, Gentiles didn't invite Jewish people in, and, and, and Jewish people would not accept the invitation. But he did as the Lord said, and he went down to Joppa. I've been to Joppa. It's in the Holy Land. When we go to the Holy Land, we take you to the city of Joppa. Peter was there. And before the men arrived, the Bible says God gave Peter a vision, one version says a trance. He fell into a vision, and God spoke to him, and he saw a big sheet, and the sheet was going up into heaven and coming back down. And inside the sheet were all of these unkosher animals, animals that they would never eat, foods that they would never eat because they were unkosher. The uh, uh, Jewish people, what Jewish person will, will uh, would never eat bacon and ham? Oh, that was that was taboo. It was considered unacceptable. And there enough, there were, there were animals in there they wouldn't eat. And God said to him, eat. And he said, oh, I'm not going to do it. It's impure and unclean. God said, I told you eat. He said, God, I'm telling you, have you ever argued with God? <laughs> you ever argue? God, I'm not going to do it. And finally, the third time God said, don't you call impure and unclean what I have made pure. And finally, and finally Peter said, I'm going to do it. And he awoke from the vision And it wasn't about eating bacon. It was God's way of teaching Peter a lesson. And it took God three times. You know, sometimes we can be blockheads. You know what I'm talking about? Has God ever had to really talk to you about something over and over again? And Peter argued with God. And he will say to to the Lord in Acts 10, verse 28, he says, It's against our law. You notice the word our in verse 28, you'll see it in scripture. In other words, it wasn't against God's law, it was against their law. In other words, I wasn't raised that way. I was raised to this custom. I was raised to think this way. I was raised to think that Gentile people are impure, unclean, and God, you're breaking down the barriers, and God says, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm overturning your biasm." And then Peter said, I've got to learn a lesson here, which brings me to Acts Ten, verse 34 and 35. And I'd like to read this to you. This is the conversation. And Peter says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. Wow. That turned Peter's theology upside down. Now this is the same Simon Peter The same, he's one of the apostles. I mean, he walked with Jesus. He answered the call. He saw Jesus walk on water. Jesus told him, you come. This is the guy that walked on water. And guess what? He could walk on water, but he wouldn't walk beside a Gentile person. You know, sometimes we can have stuff inside of us that God's trying to get out, but we hold on to it. Yeah, yeah, can happen for everyone, self-included. And God just has to deal with Simon Peter and says, Simon Peter, you're a great, you'll put two books in this thing we call the Bible, First and Second Peter, but there is something in your heart that I got to get rid of, and it is racism. And he says, I accept every nation. In other words, no one that's of a different tribe, of a different color is devalued. And even the one, it takes it down to the personal Just the one, just the one, God shows no favoritism. What is scripture teaching us? Scripture is teaching us if you have a skin problem, you have a sin problem. That's what it's saying. The Bible rejects all forms of discrimination. Go with me to Galatians chapter number three. Again, you see the tension throughout scripture regarding racism. Galatians 3, 26 and 28, so, so in Christ you are all God, you all children of God through faith. Isn't that good news? You're all children of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, all kind of discrimination. Oh, at that time, they thought men were more important than ladies. Yeah, there were things that that women couldn't do in that culture and there were some people oh, I'm free and you're a slave I'm more valuable because I am not a slave god is not for slavery but there were some people when their pride said we're a little better because we're not in the slave class. And then some, there was the whole issue of Gentile and, and, and Jew, the discrimination. And God, with one swoop, says, You're all God's children. And it doesn't matter you're Jew or Gentile, male or female, there is no discrimination when it comes to God. And that's what He's teaching us. So I want to share with you four reasons before we go into communion why racism is a sin, right from the Bible. Racism is a sin, because we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. You're in the image of God. You may have more hair, less hair. Your, your ears may be larger, smaller. your skin tone may be of a different color. You may have a background different from my background. It doesn't matter. Uh, you could be better, worse. It doesn't matter. We're all made in the image of God. You're not a mistake. You're made in the image of God. From time to time, I hear on television an advertisement. If you'll send us in a hundred bucks, we'll tell you your nationality. We'll go back and find your ancestry, and you'll find all the things about where you come from. Well, I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but can I save you a hundred bucks and you don't have to spit in a tube? Can I help you right now? It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, and 28. And the Bible says that God made man in his own image and he breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. My ancestry goes goes back to the Lord. I am made in the image of God and you're made in the image of God. Every one of us share that and we need to get rid of the language of us and them. There's no us and them. Now on the street that we live in, Live on, excuse me. Denise and I live in a brown brick home. Our home is brown. Right across the street is a white brick home. Okay? Ours is brown. That one is white. If my neighbor said, Well, because I have a white brick home, our house is more valuable than yours. Why? Why is your house more valuable? Does it have more square footage? It's on the same street, same something. No, our house is more valuable because it's a white brick. And your home is not valuable because it's brown brick. In fact, I don't think they ought to deliver mail to you because they should only deliver mail to our color brick homes. And utilities should only come to our color brick homes. We, we, we will take care of your grass. Now, I, I really resent the fact that, that Saul's will sell you water to water your grass in a brown brick home. What? Just, just because the veneer of my house is a different color, it's worthless, and I should, I should not have the privilege of having utilities, I should not have the privilege of watering my grass, that, that, that I should not get mail just because of the veneer of my home is a different color. That is absolutely ridiculous, right? Well, with the same way God looks at racism, because the veneer I put on people is a different color, I value them, and God said, I create distinction. All are made in the image of God. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? John, in the book of Revelation, he has a picture of heaven. He says, when you get to heaven, he says, I saw people of all tongues, nations, and tribes. In other words, if you're Latino here, you're going to be Latino in heaven. If you're black here, you're going to be black in heaven. If, 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 if you're Asian here, you're going to be Asian in heaven. If you're uh, American Indian here, you're going to be American Indian in heaven. If you're white here, you're going to be Anglo in heaven. And guess what? You're going to speak your tongue. He said, I heard tongue. In heaven, every language is spoken. Why? Because God said, I didn't make a mistake when I created you. We are made in the image of God. Number two. Number two. Why racism is a sin? Because Jesus commanded us to love others. Jesus commanded us to love others. Jesus is going to have a conversation. He says, I'm going to tell you, you can can obey all the Bible in two things. Love God, number one. And then Matthew 22, verse 39 says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, we call it the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's a commandment that we are to love others. Now, honestly, (coughs) people can rub us the wrong way. Yeah. There's going to be somebody this week is going to rub you the wrong way. It's the person in the line that's ordering food that can't make up their mind in front of you. It's the person that's in the automobile and the light turns green and they're on their cell phone, which is against the law, but they still do it anyway, okay? And, and you're not going to get the left arrow because they're not paying attention. It's the person that, that, that drives uh, 40 miles an hour in the left lane on 1604. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Are, are you tracking with me? It's, it's the person at work that doesn't replace paper in the copier. It's, 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 the, it's all those things that rub us the wrong way. That's my personality. But Jesus tells me, I am to love everybody. I'm to love everybody. Yeah. To live above with saints we love, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, that's another story. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Down here, Jesus models love. At every opportunity, Jesus had to express either class, culture, or color warfare. He rejected it, and he called us to love, both in action and attitude. So there's no excuse. As a believer in Christ, I am commanded to love. Not to tolerate the world says we should have tolerance. Believers, we should have love. We should have love. Number three reason why racism is a sin, because we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Because you and I are a new creation in Christ Jesus, God is basically saying we ought to be better than that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, it says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Pause right there. You no longer regard them from a worldly point of view. Okay? Uh, we, we, we don't diminish somebody that doesn't have a, the GPA that we have or the neighborhood they live in or the language they speak or on what side of the border they live on. We no longer we no longer regard people from a worldly point of view. Their ethnicity, their background, we no longer judge by a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in the same way, but we no longer, we, excuse me, we do so no longer. Therefore, verse number 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Here's what it's saying. You used to to classify people, people you like and don't like, people you prefer and don't prefer, and you had your own way of doing it. He said, you're now in Christ. You're better than that. We no longer regard people from the worldly point of view. We are new people in Christ Jesus, and we need to see other people as Jesus sees them. And when I come to Christ, I've got to lay down my flaws, my biasms, my, my blind spots, my problems, my prejudice. I lay all that aside because Jesus calls me to a higher category. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 12 and following, there's a long discussion about the body of Christ. And anyone familiar with Scripture, let me just give you a summation. This is the section of Scripture. It says that you're the body of Christ, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. And he goes on to teach us that we're all valuable. The body, just as the human body, uh, the right hand and the left hand must work together. And they can do some things your feet can't do. And your feet can do some things your hands can't do. And you need ears and they function and they do things your eyes can't do. But your eyes do things that neither your feet, your hands, or your ears can do. And he uses that analogy. Do you know that whole discussion is sent is set in the, in, the, in the context of racism? It is. Because in verse 13 he adds this. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. And we've preached that for for so so many times and for decades, and you've heard many sermons on it. Yes, we're the body of Christ. We function together as believers in Christ, and he's saying, and it applies, and you have to lay down your racial lenses, and you do not see people anymore from that position. And he'll go on to say in verse 26 of that chapter, if one part of the body suffers, then the whole body suffers. If one, let, let, let me bring it down to practicality. If there's one class that is receiving ill treatment, if there is a, a class of people, if they suffer, you should suffer with them. Jesus moves us from sympathy to empathy. Empathy. I can't just say, oh, that's too bad. I, I, m- my heart needs to be moved. Uh, l- let me speak practically now. Of, uh, just a few years ago when the hurricane happened in Puerto Rico, can I tell you, my heart grieved for Puerto Rico. Those poor people, my heart was, I didn't feel sympathy, I felt Empathy. And what did we do? Not just, oh, just too bad for them. We sent money down there to help them from our outreach and our missions department. Why? Because they're hurting. We hurt with them. Yeah, absolutely. I hurt for the, the statistics of the unborn because the unborn lives matter. Those with special needs. I, I, I ate for them. I, I, my heart... My heart goes out to them and their families. I can't say, oh, that's just too bad what they're going through. I'm asking myself, how can I help go through that with them? How can my heart lighten their load? And the same is true when it comes to racial issues. As a pastor, how can my heart lighten their load? And how can my voice speak in their behalf? Because Jesus said, I'm a new creation, and if they go through it, I need to hurt with them. Number four, why is racism a sin? Because of God's nature. It's God's nature. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, and he he, he had no borders. Borders are created by humanity. Fences are built by men. Walls are built by men. Men. Borders are established by man. This section of the city that a particularly dominant racial group lives in, and, and this, uh, th- that's, that's, humans, that's human stuff. It's not how God sees the world. God's nature is everyone is valuable to him. Everyone. Everyone. And then it's in God's heart. No one is left out. God so loved the world you see Jesus was Jewish but he included Gentiles he included people that were of a different background because God didn't see the background God saw the heart and he so loved that he gave his one and only son and as we go into communion I draw our hearts to Micah chapter 6 in verse number 8 And here's what it says. God's Word. He has shown you, O mortal man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? It's a rhetorical question. Do you know what God requires? It's not a suggestion. It's a requirement. Here it is. The verse continues. To act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly before our God. What I'm struck by this is Jesus says, love God and love others and the prophet, Micah seems to reverse the order and he'll say you've got to with people you've got to act justly and love mercy towards them and then walk humbly before your God. In other words he's saying some of you are trying to do the God thing but not doing the human thing. Not do the human thing. So for emphasis sake he rises it raises it to that top level and it's it's not enough to just have sympathy. I I've got to act justly. And I've got to love mercy. And if I do that, he will find it very easy to walk humbly before my God. And I invite us to do that. I call us as believers in Christ to be salt and light and to be an example. And my heart today was to give you a biblical perspective on this very sensitive subject. And with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. And I want to lead us in communion. The elements of communion symbolize the body of Christ. The bread, would you please retrieve it? His body. The cup, His blood, symbolize the body of Christ. And Scripture says we're the body of Christ. And if you're Latino, I'm a part of you and you're a part of me in Christ Jesus. If you're Asian, I I love you because you're a part of God's family. If If you're black, biracial, doesn't matter whether you've got degrees behind you, doesn't matter. In Christ Jesus, I want to express and extend God's heart And I want you to know, because of Jesus, you're in my circle of love. Because the moment you came in God's circle of love, you have to be in my circle of love. And as as a pastor, I wanna I wanna extend that. And I I pray, I pray that God will increase my understanding and my sensitivity because I want to be God's voice of righteousness and clarity in a world where there's so much rhetoric and social media. I, I don't get on social media. I, that's not the format I'm going to speak. I, 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 I just cringe at some things that are said on social media. And if you say something godly, it'll, it'll incite all the anti-faith And anti-religious voices. I'm not going to get into that. But every time I have the opportunity, I want to lift up Jesus and I want to express. So let's pray. And we're going to take communion together and we're going to say, God, if we have not expressed your heart adequately, forgive us. But as the body of Christ and we, our allegiance is to Jesus, we're going to honor and love one another. Father, I thank you today for these elements that speak to us and call us to the higher life. That Jesus' life in his blood symbolized the great sacrifice in order to love others. And I call the Westover family to do the same. To be a voice of justice, to love mercy, and in so doing, That pleases God. And today, if there's anything that would not be pleasing, even if it was unintentional, forgive us so we can walk humbly before you. And I pray, God, that the elements of communion that represent the body and blood of Jesus will remind us of the great sacrifice Jesus has made And I bless these elements in Christ's name. Amen. Would you take the bread together in the name of the Lord? Yes. The cup. The cup, symbolic of his blood, would you take together in the name of the Lord? Thank you, Jesus, for your life worship team.